And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 152 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 152 pitches for the Mets in the 2016 NL wild card game. The Giants are trying to avoid a wild card game, right? Uh, that would be good since they don't have uh, Mr. Madison Bumgarner anymore, who was their secret wild card, uh, I guess, uh, Wild card, their secret ace. <laughs> a wild card that they could use as an ace. The wild card of wild cards. Yeah, I mean, it's he gets kind of lost in that wild card game. He was so dominant, but it's, you know, Connor Gillespie is, is the bigger story from that. Who would be the the uh, comp for Connor Gillespie on the 2021 Giants if they had to go to the wild card game? Uh, who could they get to be as funny as Connor Gillespie? Oh, boy, gosh. Um, I, I, I feel like you have that where they've come back from being gone once before. For. So I, I don't know. Um, uh, gosh, Darren Ruff seems too prominent at this point. Um, hmm. Yeah, I can't think of one. Maybe Steven Duggar. How about Steven Duggar? Steven Duggar is a good one. I think if you're going to follow the template of an Ishikawa or a Gillespie where they kind of float away and then come back, Matt Duffy would have made a ton of sense. And we talked about that. But this roster, like, that's the thing about Ishikawa and Gillespie is that back then there were just spots open. And uh, I guess Gillespie. Okay, uh, gosh, uh, Ishikawa. There is no spot like that on the 2021 Giants. They, it's full up. You know, they're sending good players out. That That's the difference between this team. Yeah, and you know, every team runs into it, and and the Giants have certainly run into it uh, after the series in Milwaukee, where they had to start using relievers uh, on the third day, (laughs) guys that they didn't want to use. I mean, Jake McGee didn't even have his knee brace out there, uh, was assuming he wasn't going to be used, and all all of a sudden he's got to, you know, save the game. So um, everybody had to kind of step up, and and there was an innings deficit, you know, for for one of the first times all year. Uh, the Giants were really, really chasing innings, and they had to make some tough roster moves uh, as a result to bring up uh, uh, Zach Littell, who pitched great, uh, uh, John Brebbia, um, and then they had to, you know, ship out a, a Tyro Estrada, which I'm sure they didn't want to do, but you know he'll be back. Uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, you know. I, I think that they only have to get through a couple more weeks, and then the rosters will expand. They'll have a couple extra spots to play with. And if we've learned anything about this Giants team, you got to think that the relative advantage that they'll have versus every other team having those extra couple guys on the roster um, is probably going to go is is going to um, you know break in their in their favor. I would imagine. Yeah, no, this is not the kind of roster where 
in September you call up some guys you want to just give a look-see and, uh, you know, I guess some depth if we need it. They're going to be guys that they want. Like, they, they would they would pay extra to have a 30-man roster to get these guys on there. Um, you mentioned Jake McGee didn't have his knee brace, but he also didn't have his cup. And I can imagine that he was like, ah, I could probably go without it. And then Jose Alvarez from the back of the bullpen is like, no, no, you need your cup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He speaks from from a visceral, visceral place on that one, I'd imagine. Ooh. So we're talking on Monday. The Giants just won a harrowing series against the Brewers. They've now won their series against uh, the Astros, the Dodgers, and the Brewers. Uh, I- I'm assuming there's going to be a power ranking somewhere, someplace that's going to be like, eh, Giants are number two or three or four or five. But it, that's a pretty strong gauntlet to run, right? I mean, they, they took a series from the Brewers, they took and granted it, it took a, a guy biffing a fly ball for that to happen. <laughs> uh, I mean, they took a, a series against the Dodgers. Granted, it took a Darren Ruff check swing and a second baseman who didn't stretch for a tag for one of those wins to happen. I mean, they did get some breaks uh, from some of these teams that when they didn't play well. I mean, the Astros mostly played well and were relentless in the lineup, but but weren't playing necessarily clean baseball every game either. But yeah, you look up and they were taking series from from the best teams in baseball, and I think that uh, you know. Finding a way to win is kind of what the the game's all about, and the better team usually does that. So, yeah, I kind of think that the Giants deserve to be number one right now. Yeah, I'm looking at the bullpen, and it seems like they are really kind of narrowing it down and finding this core group of relievers where you've got, uh, you know, Harleen Garcia's hiccups aside in Milwaukee. Uh, Jose Alvarez is rounded into form. You have Tony Watson, who is, you know, he's only appeared in, what, four games, but they've been four really excellent games. Wow, really uh, Jay- impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's that was the move at the deadline was like, huh? But the more you looked into it, it made sense. And he's looked great. And Dominic Leone looks good. Uh, Jay Jackson has had a couple of blow up outings, but for the most part, he looks fantastic. Like the bullpen is justifying the front office's faith in them, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. And it's it's got to stay strong at the back end, right? I mean, you, you can't have Jake McGee going through some of the struggles he had earlier in the season where he had that little bit of a rough run. You kind of wondered, hmm, is his fastball really going to be, is he going to be able to maintain his stuff? Is he going to be able to maintain his spin rate and all that when he's used a little bit more? Because they clearly were watching his workload and and you maybe saw a little bit of drop off in the the MPH when he was used a little more frequently. And you think, well, boy, you know, what do you do? You can't really pace a closer through September. I mean, when it's time to pitch, it's time to pitch. But as he's had to work a little bit more, these look better and better. So that's a great sign. And if they have a problem there, then you wonder just how much it kind of becomes a house of cards in that bullpen. But Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee are the two most important guys and they've continued to pitch great. Yeah, that was one of the things when I was looking at uh, Giants pitchers in the recent past who have thrown in three straight calendar days. So meaning not just three straight games because there can be an off day in between, but three straight calendar days. The name that kept coming up was Will Smith. Will Smith, Will Smith, Will Smith was was doing a lot of that in 2009. 19, I believe. And the Giants have done a good job not doing that to Jake McGee, where, you know, the help of Tyler Rogers, I think, is a, a big deal in that. But they haven't, you know, pushed him two games, three games, four games in a row, even uh, when they needed their closer. He is, I think, the de facto closer. But it's also still kind of sort of if you squint a closer by committee. Yeah, and they're using matchups here and there, and it helps that Tyler Rogers can get lefties out. I mean, that that, uh, that really helps too. Uh, 
it, it, it makes him even more flexible. Um, but uh, yeah, and the other thing is we don't see Gabe Kapler try to squeeze a second inning out of guys. I mean, he, he goes for the knockout punch. When he can pinch hit for Tyler Rogers after a nine-pitch inning, uh, he's going to do it. And it may not work out, and it may work out. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, we, we've seen a manager who would probably, all else being equal, take uh, an extra pinch hitting appearance off the bench over, um, you know, trying to uh, get another inning or, or, or inning and change out of out of a relief pitcher. Yeah, and in case you are wondering uh, how the Giants stack up when it comes to relief usage, uh, Tyler Rogers is fifth in baseball in appearances with 53. Uh, Jake McGee, it just cracks the top 20 uh, with 49. But overall, this is not a bullpen that's just been slammed and slammed again and just thrown into the meat grinder. This series against the Brewers was something of an anomaly, but... It, the whole year, it's not as if uh, they've been extended. I mean, I know there were there were concerns with Tyler Rogers early in the year, but for the most part, it's been just a, a really uh, steady usage uh, and predictable, I think. I think that's what relievers like, is they like to know what they're getting into. They don't like a lot of surprises like they had on Saturday night, and so far, the Giants have been pretty good doing that. Yeah, I would agree, and that all goes to communication, and we know that that's kind of in the, the wheelhouse of, of this uh, very, very large uh, communicative coaching staff. Uh, the one thing that I think does loom as a bit of a concern is what are we uh, sitting at about maybe 20, 26 games after the All-Star break? And I think the Giants have five quality starts um, and, and they had, uh, you know, close to 45% quality start percentage in, in, in the first half prior to the break. So, you know, yeah, they're, they're going to need, I think, a little bit more length from from some of these pitchers. And, you uh, and you know they just uh, they they've just sort of sacrificed a couple of them. One Connor Menez uh, from um, the minors was DFA'd, and, and now Aaron Sanchez. Uh, you know I think fairly clearly th- that move did not surprise me. Aaron Sanchez just did not look impressive at any point this year. Uh, you know good on him for throwing 97 miles an hour at a showcase and getting a four million dollar contract that that he probably shouldn't have gotten. Um, but I, I, for for them to DFA him at this point uh, kind of tells you what their opinion was of him. Uh, and and just uh, you know the fact that they think they probably have better options. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I am currently writing about uh, some of those options, and they're long shot options. Look, I know the Giants are making depth signings right now, uh, but they got Matt Shoemaker, uh, Tyler Chatwood, and Logan Andrzejczyk. Uh That's going to be part of the depth. You have Scott Casimir coming back from the Olympics. Uh, you have Sean Jelly, uh, perhaps not on the 40-man roster. On the 40-man roster, I'm not seeing, other than Sammy Long, a lot of, like, instant, aha, there's your depth. Is it pretty much Sammy Long, the, the next guy up if they need him? I would think so. Yeah, that that would be my assumption. Tyler Beattie, I guess? Yeah, you know, but, but I think that uh, as long as Long is a little more stretched out, then uh, I think they would pick him over Beattie just for the strike throwing. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it just it's remarkable because when most teams go through this sort of uh, part of the season where where they're inv- invariably at some point chasing innings a little bit, that's when you start losing games. And, and, and the Giants are not losing games; they're continuing to win series 
despite those challenges. And, and I guess that speaks to a few things. One would be uh, sort of the robustness of their offense. And boy, oh boy, Brandon Belt has, has really given them a lift since he's come back. Um, and they're going to get Evan Longoria back soon as well. So, um, I mean, that's, uh, that's certainly helped to keep things afloat. Um, and, and just uh, like we said, the, the bullpen depth options that they've created for themselves. I mean, it's uh, they haven't really put anybody in who just you know totally uh, falls apart, although Harleen Garcia had a rough one the other day, as you mentioned. Um, I, I just think that's really impressive that they go through a challenging part of the season where, you know, they're, they're kind of uh, uh, constrained and looking for, for ways to, to absorb some innings. And they're not just trying to get to the back end of a game without, you know, lighting themselves on fire. They're they're beating teams that, that have, um, you know, that are top five teams in the major leagues. So um, that's that's pretty darn impressive. All right, let's talk about the hitting a, a little bit. And uh, because you are um, what is uh, colloquially known as a hot shot Jeopardy champion, I'm going to pose <laughs> this uh, as a question. The Giants have 169 home runs this year. Uh, when was the last time they had more in a season? More than 169 oh boy um well it wasn't last year uh (laughs) gosh um uh, maybe 2010 i'll go 2010 it was 2004 the last time that they had more home runs in a full season was 2004 when barry bonds hit 45 uh you had that was a year of pedro feliz marquise grissom uh you know they didn't have a ton of guys but they they had barry bonds so that was the last time they hit more home runs uh and then a follow-up question who on the 2021 giants uh, has the highest slugging percentage. Mm, are we going with a minimum number of plate appearances? You know what? I'm just going to do a quick look, and I don't think minimum matters here. Hmm. 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 Gosh. You know, the first thing that came to mind was Wilmer Flores, but maybe it's Brandon Bell or Darren Ruff. No, nope, I'll go with Brandon Belt. It is Brandon Belt. He's got a one-point advantage over Darren Ruff. Brandon Belt now is slugging 568. And I'll admit, like, listen, I have been, uh, I've seen some action in the Belt Wars. I've been uh, behind the scenes planning some of the Belt Wars. Like, I, I'm a Belt Wars veteran. Uh, but I was still sort of like, okay, Brandon Belt's coming back. That's cool. Uh, like, I forget what a Brandon Belt hot streak looks like. Uh, I don't think the Brewers will anytime soon. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, you've got the belted hashtag, you've got the, the cool belt bat drop. I mean, the belt bat drop is, I know we're all flipping bats these days, kids, but but there's something cool about the smooth Brandon Belt, get this thing out of my hands, bat drop. Like it's electric, ah, like it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's got some panache to it, I think. But yeah, you're sitting there looking at Brandon Belt with 15 home runs. In 183 at-bats, and he's still doing his usual thing and walking a ton. He's got 30 walks and 68 strikeouts, uh, 370 on base percentage. I mean, yeah, 939 OPS. You start to understand just how the Giants have squeezed so much value out of first base because when Belt went out, they had Lamont Wade Jr. who who produced. You've had Darren Ruff who has been productive when he's gotten chances to play there. And really, to me, the, the only question about, about Belt coming back is how, where is this going to push um, Darren Ruff's opportunity to? Uh, because it's going to be hard to to find him playing time, maybe, um, and, and and he's been so productive for this team as well. Uh, but you know that that's part of the challenge is is squeezing people in and, and finding opportunities for everybody and keeping them sharp. Um, we've seen what happened earlier this year when they couldn't really do that because they weren't facing lefties. So when Austin Slater got a little bit cold, um, 
But uh, yeah, Ruff is sitting there with a 393 on base percentage and a 960 OPS, 13 homers and 171 at bats. You want to play that guy, you know. You you want to find ways you can uh, get him in the lineup too. So um, in a way, it, it'll be good because they they won't be necessarily relying on on somebody that they don't want in the lineup if someone needs a break or a rest or gets hurt. Uh, and that's kind of been the secret sauce the whole way is not feeling like someone goes down and now you've got a sub replacement level player in there that they haven't been in that situation basically all year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to the Giants' power, I think based on my back-of-the-envelope calculation that they're still on pace to set a, a franchise record in home runs, uh, which is remarkable. It's not when you watch the game, everyone who comes up can hit a home run or hit a few of them, so you're not that surprised. But when you look at the, the raw numbers and you have Brandon Crawford and you have Mike Estremski leading the team in 18, could this team set a franchise record for home runs without a 30 home run hitter? I think they can. I think it's possible. It might even be statistically likely at this point, but it's bananas. Like That stat is bananas to me. Oh, no, it is. And I, I, I'm waiting for Austin Slater to hit a home run because then that's going to put him in the 10 home run uh, group, as well as Evan Longoria when he comes back. He's sitting on nine home runs. So that would give you 10 guys on the roster uh, to be double digits home runs. And if, you know, Stephen Duggar's sitting at seven, Donovan Solano's at five, so Casale's at five. So in theory, the, one of those guys starts mashing maybe they could get in that group too but i mean that would be the most ever i think the most currently uh, in giants history is is maybe eight so yeah to have 10 players in double digit homers i mean that just tells you that that no matter who's up there they're a threat and uh and that's a that's a that's stress on on a on a, on a pitcher or a reliever a situation where you're trailing by a run or or you're trying to protect a one-run lead the last thing you want to do is is face a guy where if you make a mistake to a certain location you know, it's boom. It's there's no run run uh, uh, um, manufacturing going on here. It's it's one swing, one uh, one high drive, and it's a tie ball game. And that's uh, that they, they kind of have that have created that that danger 
uh, with everybody who steps to the plate. And it's one of the reasons I think that they're so tough to pitch to. Yeah, and I I go back to 2019, the beginning of the Farhan Zaidi era, when you have uh, Jan Hervis Solarte, as, and he's like, okay, let's get this guy in. He's going to be uh, maybe perhaps the middle infield solution or Abiatal Avellino. Okay, let's check this guy out. In the 2021 Giants, they're looking at Tyra Estrada hitting 303, uh, playing all sorts of positions with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, uh, some solid defense. And they're saying, oh, gosh, guy, you know, we, we would love to keep you, but there's just not enough room on this roster. The the Giants roster right now is I don't remember ever seeing a roster like this. And I'm, I'm going back to the days of, uh, you know, the 100 win teams and stuff like that. This is as deep of, of a team as I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's just remarkable when you think about how it's basically the leavings from other organizations. I mean, you mentioned Tyro Estrada. The one big difference uh, with the Giants this year, as opposed to 2019, is you know, when they were terrible and they were at the bottom of the standings, you know, they had waiver claim priority. They could just claim whoever they wanted and, and then try to, you know, uh, claim the guy DFA and try to stash him, uh, which where they were successful in some cases, or somebody who stuck around. And, and now they don't have that kind of um, waiver claim priority. So they've had to make deals. You know, they've had to, to trade for a Mike Talkman, which, which, you know, ultimately didn't work out except for a couple of game-saving catches uh, and a big grand slam. Um that's kind of a couple of big uh, uh, caveats, isn't it? Well, it didn't really work out <laughs> except for two game-saving catches and a grand slam. Um, but uh, but Tyro Estrada, great example. I, and I think that, that that's where you see how a Farhan Zaidi has to not only be good at his job, but he has to be good at maintaining relationships with, with the other executives. And I always felt that as, as much as the Sabian era deserves every praise for everything that they accomplished. The one one area that I thought that they were not super great at is they were so insular. And I don't think there was a real spirit of like collaboration or cooperation. They always played played it like Texas Hold'em and kept their cards, you know, super close and, and, and didn't really want to collaborate with other GMs or it was this very, very small number of GMs. And I, I feel like Farhan and Scott Harris, they're able to, to have relationships with, with a lot of other GMs, and you've, we've seen deals with the Yankees. We've seen deals with the Cubs. Um, you know, I, I feel like that uh, that that you know it's required a lot more communication, collaboration, relationships to get players like Tyro Estrada this year because they can't just claim them on waivers. They got to be proactive and, and and make that deal after a guy's been DFA'd. Uh, and, and and they've done that, and it, it's it's probably led to a lot of wins. Uh, speaking of deals, Chris Bryant, uh, he is now eight games into his Giants career, and I just, I don't want to call you out, but you were like, oh God, Chris Bryant is just the worst fit for the Giants, and oh no, no, terrible player. <laughs> and I was here on this podcast saying, no, 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 he's going to be good. So what do you have to say for yourself? Because he looks pretty darn good now. Well, now, as I recall, you thought that, that <laughs> Starling Marte would be the perfect fit for the Giants, and you were so close, he just ended up being the perfect fit for the A's just right across the bay so I will give you credit for that fair enough fair enough yeah it was much easier at SB Nation where I can just delete the post myself yeah right um no Chris Bryant I mean like which corner of the ballpark are they going to build the statue basically I mean it's Man. it's it's uh it, he's been ex- exactly everything that they that they wanted and hoped for and and you look at who's you know they had some big rallies and extra innings well Chris Bryant let him off by getting on base you know if he doesn't do that uh, they probably don't, you know, come back and, and win in the ninth at Arizona 
uh, last week, and they probably don't, you know, come back in, in extra innings and beat the Brewers. Um, you know, just starting off that rally, uh, and it's a guy who just he finds a way to get on base, he finds a way to hit good pitching. Uh, you can put him anywhere in in, uh, in the field, and he, his his flexibility makes everybody else more valuable, and just opens up way more options in the late innings uh, for Gabe Kapler, which you know he absolutely, you know, that's what he thrives on doing. So. Um, it, it just it couldn't work out better, and and I I gotta think that there's going to be a whole lot of attractiveness to to um, uh, you know making this more than a two month uh, affiliation. I go back to the difference between the Chris Bryant deal and some of the other high profile trades of years past. Is I go back to the Carlos Beltran deal where he he's they trade for him and he comes to the clubhouse and it's basically everyone staring at him going save us. You know, you are the guy now. You have to do everything. And so at first, you know, his first 11 games before he went on the the DL then, he hit 244 on base percentage, uh, 261, not a ton of power. Uh, He was pressing a little bit. He was expected to be the guy. And even if you're a Hall of Fame caliber talent like Beltran, that's not easy. Whereas Chris Bryant, he's traded for, he comes in, it's like, hey, Help us do what we're doing. Yeah, all of us. You know, we're all having fun here. Do you play wherever it is you need to play and do what we're doing. And I think that's just a much different dynamic for a deadline acquisition to walk into. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and and also, you know, it was very very clear from those of us who were around him in the clubhouse that he was not excited about about hitting in San Francisco. I mean, this is a guy who was coming up on free agency and he was trying to pretty up his numbers too. And he knew he was going to probably the worst place for him uh, from a personal standpoint. And so I, I I got the sense that he wasn't super motivated to be there. I think he said the right things. He gave Bruce Bochy a Rolex so he could get his number 15. And uh, and then he hurt his hand. And and when he did play, I, he, he was good. You know, He's outstanding. Like, like you said, he pressed a little bit at the start. And then I think by the time he was really hitting his stride, the team had leaked too much oil. Um, and it was just, I mean, you know, they, they just couldn't hit that team. And Posey get going out was just such a, um, a physical, emotional, um, from a talent drain standpoint, it just, it, that was just impossible for them to, to, to fix or to make up. And I, I really think that they should have gone out and gotten a catcher a lot hmm. sooner um, that season to try to, to patch that hole in some, some form or function because, Boy, man, it was just—it was a really, really rough run for that team just to, to gen- generate some offense, and uh, and it didn't seem like any moves they made really were going to fix that team. And, and Carlos Beltran was was the big one. And you know, I I don't I don't fault them for trying because hey, they were trying to win a World Series uh, for the second straight year. They had the pitching to do it. Their pitching was dominant in 2011. That's what you, carries you through a couple of postseason series and who wouldn't want to you know go that extra mile to try to become the first nl team to repeat since you know the big red machine i mean that that makes you a (laughs) dynasty so i i with all that in front of them i don't i still don't blame them for the wheeler for for beltron now trade and and even even giving up wheeler i didn't think was in hindsight is that bad because the guy looks like he's a cy young top three right now but you look at what he was going to do in his first uh seasons of, of six years of team control and you know he he was okay. He wasn't great. He was hurt a lot. Uh, he spent a lot of those years on on uh, on the injured list. So um, you know it's not like they gave up uh, 
you know, the, the, the second coming of, of, of Max Scherzer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if we're going to pick those nits, I think it's it's a, a little bit worse for the Giants to not have signed Zach Wheeler to the contract that the Phillies did. I think that affected the Giants uh, more negatively than, than not keeping Zach Wheeler around for those years of team control when he was hurt and figuring things out. I mean, I, I was in favor of them signing him to that big deal that the Phillies gave him, and boy, he would look good to the team. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't fault them for that trade one bit looking at the Phillies since you bring them up and they're they're on a roll look at them they're leading the east they're 59 and and 53 as of this recording uh they've got two game lead on on the Braves Uh, the Mets are just one game over 500 now um and and I really don't see any second place team getting any momentum in the standings I mean the Braves are in second place they're only two games over 500 but you look at the uh, central and after the Brewers you've got the Reds sitting there at 61 and 51 they're only what two and a half games behind, three games behind the Padres. I mean, yeah. this is this could get kind of interesting. It could, and you know, it's it's been such a foregone conclusion. Well, one of the the Dodgers and the Padres is going to be the wild card. We know this. We know this with from the depths of our soul, and and we, what this conversation presupposes is maybe they're not guaranteed. Like you know, the Reds are charging pretty hard. The Braves were always supposed to be a, a, a championship caliber talent. Maybe they're not that anymore more because of Acuna going down, uh, but they're a very talented team, a very strong organization that's just waiting to, to kind of pick it up somehow. The Phillies have always, they, they're supposed to be here. They're supposed to be charging atop the, the NL East. They've spent a lot of money on Wheeler and Bryce Harper and Real Muto uh, to do just this. So there are a lot of good teams around the National League now, and I I don't know, the, the Padres should be just a little bit worried. Yeah, I, I would be if I were them. And, um, you know, they've had some pitching issues all year, and um, and, and you know what? Maybe the, maybe the Giants, we, we've thought about these 10 games in the last 19 games of the season that are Padres-Giants, and we're thinking maybe the division will be on the line, or maybe, you know, they'll be trying to knock each other out or into the wild card game, and, and you know what? Maybe the Giants can just knock the Padres out, period. <laughs> and and I'm sure they'd have a lot of fun doing that, so um, that, that could be interesting. could change the dynamic a little bit. Absolutely, and I cannot believe how many... It feels like the Giants have seen the Padres a lot this year, and yet they still have so many games uh, left against them. What I always go back to when I'm looking at the standings, and I'm thinking, okay, the Giants are going to do this. They're here. They're not going to worry about this. I think back to 2010 when on August 25th, they were six and a half games behind the Padres, right? I mean, it was, there is still so much baseball left and I I catch myself when I'm looking at the standings and it's like, wow, a four game lead over the Dodgers. That's pretty comfortable. And seven and a half over the Padres. Wow. That's almost insurmountable. It's not like there's a lot of baseball left. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that's why I think uh, the Giants just have to keep doing what they're doing, which is you know, keep keep winning games and keep winning series. And you know, they finish with the Brewers, and I'm sure they're uh, they're gassed, and they're going to have uh, um, an off day here on Monday. And you know, they're going to face two good pitchers uh, when the Diamondbacks come to town to start the next home stand. Zach Gallen, I know he's not having a great year, but uh, you know, he's a guy who uh, has been getting healthier. And then Merrill Kelly has has really bossed him around twice already this year. So um, you know, I think it's probably going to be important that they. You know, just try to get off to a good start with their rotation. Kevin Gossman and Alex Wood are the two guys going for uh, the Giants in the series, I believe. And, and um, you know, it'll be probably pretty paramount that they start to uh, get some some sturdier uh, starts out of this rotation. And and, and, uh, and and they can, you know, pace some of their other pitchers a little bit better as, as we get into 
uh, this sort of dog day portion of the season. We've talked about this before, but I have to just reiterate uh, how much of an idiot I am when it comes to uh, the probable pitchers, the the starting rotation, how it lays out for the next several days, not just for the opposing teams, but for the Giants. So I have to tell you that I'm learning stuff when, when you're talking in this podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, wow, Gossman's going. And Alex, it is the weirdest blind spot for me because it should just be innate by now. I mean, did you even have to think of that? Like, do you look this stuff up or is it just natural that you know what the rotation is going to look like? Well, well, I have to say, if any of the members of the Giants PR staff are, are are listening to this podcast, and 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 shame on you if you are, you should not be wasting your time listening to Giants <laughs> podcasts. Um, you have enough work to do, darn it. Um, uh, thank you very much for doing the game notes every single day, putting the work that you put into them. Because all I have to do is click on the PDF, and boom, there's the probable pitchers. So, um, yes, I did not have that committed to memory. Got it, got it. Now I I do read the media notes to those same people who should not be listening. Um, I just I'm an idiot, and it, it goes for uh, Buster Posey's jersey number is 18. Is that right? <laughs> yes, um, yes, and it was very awkward when he and Matt Kane both wore eight. Damn it. It caused so much confusion. (laughs) I thought I had that one. Oh, man. All right. So, yeah, there are two kinds of of Giants observers in this world, one of whom would say, oh, the Giants waxed the Astros, the Brewers, uh, with waxed in quotation marks, of course. Uh, Now they've got the Diamondbacks and Rockies at home. They should roll them. And then there's the other type of Giants observer who says they beat the Brewers and now the Diamondbacks at home, of course, are going to struggle against the Diamondbacks. Which glass half whatever are you? Um, yeah, I think it's perfectly possible that they could, you know, lose both games. Like you said, it's baseball and it's two good starting pitchers. And I, you know, even though they took three of four from Arizona, um, I, I think they they got a little bit lucky uh, to escape uh, with three wins. And I think the Diamondbacks are going to play better down the stretch. I do. They've got uh, Ketel Marte back, who's a good player. Um, you know, they, they still, I was talking with one of the Giants coaches. He's looking up at their lineup on the board, uh, you know, during BP. And he says, you know, that that's a major league lineup. That's a good yes. lineup. And I, I am really confounded by some of the things that Tori Lavallo has done this season. I really don't understand some of his managerial strategies. I mean, I think there was there was one there was one move where he pitched to Wilmer Flores, and it didn't make a lick of difference in the game. Wilmer grounded out in the ninth inning, but they had Kirk Casale in the on deck circle, and you knew that Kirk Casale was a deke, and you knew that Aaron Sanchez, who just started throwing in the bullpen, was a total deke. Uh, all they had to do was was walk Flores intentionally, and you were going to get Harleen Garcia with two outs, and uh, and the Diamondbacks didn't do it. They pitched to Wilmer Flores, and I'm thinking that's that's just managerial malpractice right there. So I think if if uh, if they can get out of Tori Lavolo's way, this this team does have some more talent and I think could could play uh, tough down the stretch. And, and that's probably a good thing for the Giants because they've got a bunch of games left against the Dodgers and uh, and Padres too. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the raw stats in the Diamondbacks. They have an 83-team-adjusted uh, OPS. They have an 80-adjusted t- team ERA. Both of those are lousy, miserable. They've had a real tough time. But I have the same reaction when I look at that lineup. It's like, that guy, he's no joke. That's not some derelict who answered a Craigslist ad. Like, they have players who can hit. So, yeah, not exactly the easiest series, even if it might feel like it or seem like it. I, I don't know. I don't I don't take any of these teams for granted. Um, Grant, I have to make a correction from earlier. Um, it is, in fact, not Gosman Wood. It is Wood Gosman. Uh, they will pitch in that order. They wanted to give Gosman the extra day. 
So that was uh, that came out. Uh, I believe Susan Slusser tweeted that. Gabe Kapler told her that in Milwaukee. So my apologies for the earlier transgression and the game notes uh, that I was looking at were from Sunday, so they were old. Mm, my faith in you is shaken. It really but should not be. Stirred. Sorry, not stirred. All right, this has been episode one. 52 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. The next time we talk, we will know what in the heck happened against the Diamondbacks and see if the Giants keep it rolling. So thanks for listening, and we will see you then. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.